the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to be very specific here. I want you to pay attention to the way this is written because it's very, very important. Okay? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Whose revelation is it? Not mine. It's not Dan's, not Brian's, not Dave's, not Keith's. It's none of ours, not PK's. Not even Rick's. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And who gave it to him? God did. He said the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. That is so very important. Simple but profound and very needful to understand. This revelation of Jesus is to Jesus, about Jesus, for Jesus, and it was given to Jesus by God himself. So if God doesn't give it to you, you don't get it. Catch what I'm saying now. All your lust, all your desire, all your knowledge, everything you want, anything you may do even in this life. Well, I pray X amount of day. I read my Bible all the time. I go to church. I never miss a study, no matter what. Even if it's seven feet of snow. I come to church. And if God doesn't give this revelation of Jesus Christ to you, you don't get it. You do not receive it. You will not have access to it. A door was opened in heaven. To the apostle John because God opened that door. And there are doors that God can open that no man can shut. And doors that God can shut that no man can open. So my point is simple. What do you need here this morning? You need God. And better yet, in the person of Jesus Christ, you need the Lord. And thank God we have him, don't we? Do you guys know that the Lord is in our midst? Jesus Christ has come. We were listening to something that Rick preached recently, and he was very emphatic when he said, the Lord's not coming, he has come. He is here. Boy, that is true. Jesus Christ is now here in our midst. Why do I say in our midst? Because he's come into the world that God set in our hearts. You can have everything from Adam up to the time that Jesus comes, and you will not have what you need. You need Jesus. He's the image of it all. He's the perfection of it all. Without Jesus, the fullness of the story doesn't come to bear. Now, I'm not saying you don't have good things. God created the entire creation in what he called it. Did he call it good? Oh, yeah. So if you're in the Old Testament, you have some very good things. And I'm, I'm not even saying that Jesus wasn't in that Old Testament because I know of a truth that he was. But when Jesus comes into the world, now you have everything you need. Why? Well, we're going to get into that. He said, God gave this unto him to show unto his servants, plural, things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel 
unto his servant John. Whose angel? His angel. Who is this angel? Is this angel Gabriel? Is this angel Michael? Who is this angel? Is this not the angel of the Lord? The Lord's angel? So the Lord's angel's at work here. Well, I'm going to tell you, we can get caught up in a lot of things as we progress in this journey, but we must never lose sight of the origin of this thing. Who this is all about, who this has always been about, who it is about, and who it will always be about. And that is Jesus. So he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And again, he said servants, plural, so John would not be the only one, even though in this particular one, this, this, this particular inner communication, if you will, the angel of the Lord is talking to his servant John. And what's he about to do for John? He's about to give John the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to him. Now, this has been preached before. This is not new. But I'm just, I'm just wanting to, to put a little focus here this morning on one key character of this story. Because we go through the entire word of God and we look from Genesis to Revelation and we have a lot of characters. Julie just talked about all the women that's in the Bible. Naomi's been talking about all these women that are in the Bible. Christy's talking about all these women that are in the Bible. And that's awesome. Look at it. Keep looking at it. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal. But who did these women, you said it, Julie, who did these women follow in the New Testament? Who did they follow? They followed Jesus. They ministered unto Jesus. So their purpose was Jesus. You say, well, I, I don't know who my husband is. I don't, know, I don't know the Lord as my husband. Well, here's the thing about prophecy. When it is sown to you and it has been sown to you, whether you've heard it at this time or not, if it is sown to you, it's intended to come to fruition, meaning that it's intended to come up. So hang tight, because as you follow the Lord, guess what he's doing? Is he not teaching you? Is he not sowing to you? Is he not instructing you? He did this with his disciples. He did this with the women that followed. If they were ministering unto the Lord, guess what they were receiving in return? The words concerning the kingdom of God. Everything Jesus did was concerning his father, concerning the kingdom of God, concerning the eternal realm. We get easily distracted in this life because of lust, but the kingdom of God, the eternal realm, everything that God is sowing to us is concerning that realm. It is intended, that is the word of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the, the word of prophecy that has been given unto us is intended to sanctify the Lord among us in the midst of our hearts so that he may be glorified, that he may be lifted up and all eyes are drawn unto him. They're drawn into those heavenly places. And guess what happens when your eyes are set upon the mountain of the Lord? Guess what happens when your eyes are lifted up toward the hill of God? Guess what happens when your eyes are on the throne of God? Your eyes are not on all those enemies around you. Not on all those distractions around you. This is why we need Jesus. This is why we preach Jesus. This is why the gospel of Jesus is so important. Because the enemy that opposes everything that is of Christ. 
It's his intent to kill you and to destroy you and to prevent you from coming into Jesus. He doesn't want you baptized into the Lord. He doesn't want you following Jesus. Everything he desires is for himself. He does not love God. He hates God. He loves himself. So his intention and his desire is to exalt himself. And you know where he does that? He does that in us. He does that in this world. And there's an origin to it. And this is what Jesus was intending to show his servant. I want to show you the origin of these things. And I know it says that he's here to show him some things which must shortly come to pass. Let me just discern that for you real quickly here. Do you think he was about to show John, Marty, something that was about to come to pass in him? Not something that was coming to pass in Christ, in Jesus. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus could not give you this testimony if he himself had not overcome these things already. Now your entire salvation is built upon what I'm about to tell you. When these adversaries come against you, when this devil comes against you, when these enemies desire to sniff you out... And that's what they do, man. And they're very good at what they do. Devils are liars. Devils are antichrist. Devils are seducers. They are unclean spirits. They desire to defile you, Naomi. But see, the word of the Lord's called you to be that Proverbs 31 woman. To guard your house. So if you're guarding your house, then that devil can't come in and defile it, can he? That's how you become the new Jerusalem. And that's what God's intended. Now you think the devil's going to sit back and just let God do that? Without any opposition, without anything to say? Oh no. That's why those voices that are in the world, they come against you. They, they try to attack you. They try to persuade you. They try to dissuade you from doing the will of God. Because when you start talking about Jesus, you're talking about will. You're talking about desire. You're talking about an intent that's the highest of them all. Oh, man. You're talking about a Holy Ghost intent that is higher than any other will, any other desire there is. But then you got this devil. You know, Jude, let me read something in Jude. I, I think it's the first chapter. Can you guys go there real quickly? I don't usually bebop around reading scripture, but this is, this is good, man. This is very important. And don't let me forget what I was going to tell you. That was, I was asking the Holy Ghost not to let me forget. Watch this. He says, Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. This is uh, verse 3. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend. Wait a minute, what? You got you to gotta contend for this thing? Do you guys realize that when Dan, for an example, is talking about laying down your life and those that are going to die in the Lord, that is a commitment, man. Do you know what kind of war comes against you when you begin to proclaim that you're going to lay your life down and follow Jesus? All hell breaks loose. And we get surprised. 
that devils all of a sudden are being manifested we didn't even know were there. All because you opened your mouth and you said, I love you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. No matter where you go, what you do, where you send me, I'm going to go with you. Well, I remember a guy named Peter that said that. Oh, no, 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 Lord, no. I am ready to die for you, Jesus. He said, Peter, before this night is done and before the cock crows three times, you will deny me three times. You know what a mind blow that was for Peter? In his ego, in his pride. I mean, this is, a, this is an apostle of God called by Jesus Christ himself to follow him. You know what kind of ego that builds up in you? Oh, yeah, I'm getting on something here. These are things that open doors for devils. Pride, ego, arrogance, self-will, your own lust, your own desires. These things open up doors to spirits. And guess what happened? The word of the Lord came to pass, didn't it? Did Peter tell the truth or did Jesus tell the truth? Jesus will always tell the truth because he is the truth. And even when you think you have a truth, Jesus shows up and he'll get into the intricate details of that word and he'll define it down to the nth degree. And if there's any error in it, any lie in it, his truth be sanctified. Oh man, this is good because that's a purging that is very needed among us. I could speak for myself and tell you. As a man, we are not perfect. We make mistakes. We have made mistakes. We have been in error. We have followed lies. We have followed devils. Our lust got the best of us. That's why the blood of Jesus is so important. But listen to what he says here. He said, I exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Where was that delivered? Do you think this gospel is being delivered unto you now for the first time in this life? Or do you think, as John said in his writing, this is not a new commandment. This is an old commandment which was given unto you in the beginning. So you were with God, Micah, in the beginning. You were a saint of God and you heard the word of the Lord. Jesus talked to you. Now you say, oh, hold on now, Gary. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that, man. What are you talking about? I don't remember that. Well, I'm telling you, you were there. And God talked to you. You got the word of the Lord. You've seen the Lord. Boy, somebody should be getting just a little bit excited. You saw the Lord, Amanda. Why don't you remember it? What's the hold up here? Is there no remembrance in death? That's right. But that's why you need Jesus, because Jesus is the resurrection. He's the quickening from the dead. He's the resurrection from the dead. And because he raised from the dead, uh, Brad, you quoted it. If that same spirit that, is, that was in Christ, if it's in you, what's it going to do, bro? 
It's going to do the same thing it did in Jesus, Keith. It's going to raise you from the dead. Boy, Keith, God's got some good things for you, bro. I was in something yesterday, bro. You were the high priest, the angel of the Lord in heaven. And you had a, 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 a what do you call that thing? No, no, the censer with the incense. Boy, you are making an offering on behalf of the people in the service of God, bro. Man. And Jesus had done that. Sorry, just get a little, you know. Where are we at here? For there are certain men crept in unawares. Certain men. You guys remember, Dan just taught about this, about what a man is, right? We've said it for years, but he, he added some very good things that was awesome about what a man actually is. This didn't happen in the world. This happened in heaven. This is where those stars got seduced. This is why angels left their first estate. They left their place of power. Their place of authority that was given to them by God. They left their place of principality. Jurisdiction. They left it. Because lust got the best of them. Certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Are you hearing this? See, when you're dealing with devils, you're dealing with old spirits that were ordained of old for this condemnation. In other words, they made their choice a long time ago. And you know what the devil's, you know what his, his, his angry point is? Is that it's his condemnation. It's his fall. And you know what he's trying to do in vengeance against the Lord, in revenge against the Lord? Do you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to persuade you to be a partaker of his condemnation. And it's his, not yours. You belong to God. You do not belong to this condemnation, Keith. The Lord told you in the beginning that you belong to him. And that devil ever since has been trying to persuade you otherwise. But then here comes Jesus. Preaching repentance, preaching the kingdom of heaven. Oh, man. He said, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what Peter did? Did he deny the Lord? And even still, man, I'm going to tell you, this moves me. This moves me in my heart and my spirit because later in the gospel, Jesus Appears to him and he's there with them and they're on the seashore. And he says, have you any meat, children? And he's sitting there with Peter. And I I'm, I'm literally have to paraphrase because I haven't, I haven't read this in quite some time. But he looks at Peter and says, feed my sheep. 
You know what Peter was in the mindset of at that moment? You know what he was in? The condemnation of his failure. The condemnation of denying the Lord. Because some evil men crept in and he was working the very manifestation of it. But Jesus in his grace, Jesus in his mercy, Jesus in his love, three times said, feed my sheep. And you know, at the end of that thing, when God got Peter to where he needed to be, filled him with the Holy Ghost, even after that, Peter had some things. God had to work on some things because he was the first. He was the first among all the apostles. He was first. He's the guy that was always out there. And we thank God for him because he was quite the example. But make no mistake, every son of God goes these ways. Maybe a little bit different in the aspect of the story that's working in you. But I promise you, you were a sinner in need of God. And if Jesus doesn't come to you and show you this revelation, you don't make the trip. So again, what do you need? You need Jesus. By the time God got done with Peter, Peter became a wonderful an apostle. And the word of the Lord that he spoke concerning prophecy was that we now have a more sure word of prophecy. And who does the word of God say is that prophecy? The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. So we go back to Revelation. He said, who bear record of the word of God? Again, this is concerning Jesus, concerning his angel. He's talking to John. Who bears record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Wait a minute now. Everything that you're about to see, John, everything I'm about to show you, these are things that I have seen. These are things that my father showed me. Now, if that doesn't put your thought concerning the book of Revelation in a little bit of a different perspective, I don't know what would. This is about Jesus. Jesus is about to show John the entire history of heaven. A lot of times we think this is all to come. It's all to happen. No, these are things that happened a very, very long time ago. And it happened in Jesus. You could make it about Gabriel. You could make it about Michael. But before them, you have to talk about Jesus. Nothing wrong with talking about Gabriel, I promise you. Nothing wrong with talking about Michael. We've done it. Phenomenal things. But understanding where those men of God come from, because that's what their name means, men of God, men who are like God. Angels are the manifest thoughts of God. It's God projecting himself in image. It's another way Jesus presents himself, if you will. And the diversity of those beings, quite amazing. 
But there's only one, Revelation 4 says, that's sitting on the throne. One. Boy, I'm going to tell you, that's awesome. But then you go through the churches, and one of the promises that Jesus gives to those that overcome, I believe it's in the seventh church of Laodicea, is that you will sit with him in his throne as he sits with the Father in his. My God, man, that is awesome. But see, we sometimes get constricted to thought of earthly things. And we take, for example, the, the teaching on the table, the preaching on the table, the prophecy of the table, and we limit it, as I have, to the earth. And we think of characters like David, and that's good. That's good. David's good. David's awesome, man. The Lord sits upon David's throne. But this didn't start nor end with David. When Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, what did he reference? Did he not reference King David? But what did he bring it to? Jesus. Jesus who will sit on that throne of God forever. What I'm telling you guys here this morning is Jesus loves you. And I know the battles that you go through. I know the lust. Dan and I both, man, we deal with it all the time. Elders of God, they deal with it all the time. Hence the laying down of the life. Hence the sowing of the word of God. Hence the sanctifying of the Lord Jesus in our midst. Hence the glorifying of God the Father in the person of Jesus Christ. Hence preaching the anointing in the Holy Ghost. Yes, we talk about the man of sin because it's in the revelation of Jesus. The man of sin cannot even get revealed without the revelation of Jesus. So if you got that order mixed up, and you're trying to chase the devil before you even get Jesus, you got it a little backwards. You got to get the Jesus, and then you can catch that devil. And you know what happens when you catch a thief, right? When you catch a thief, he has to pay you back seven times what he stole. Woo, boy. Is that going to account for all seven of those churches? Everything that he stole in those seven churches, does he have to give it all back? Oh, come on now. God's good, isn't he? He said, blessed is he that readeth. Well, hold on. Let me, let me, let me step back just for a minute because I want to get to this real quick. He bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Brad, let me ask you a question. Have you ever considered that Jesus has a testimony? Anybody? Like, let's think about it for a second. Have you ever considered Jesus has a testimony? Or is it possible that you've thought, not Jesus. Jesus just, he's Jesus. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. So why would he have a testimony? What would he need to testify about? He is the testimony. Yes, Absolutely. But I'm asking a little bit of a specific question here. Good question, you say? Well, I'm looking for a good answer. 
<laughs> he is, though. You guys are okay, and I love you. I love you. I might have to call Dan down from the mountain and have him walk you through this in a teaching. <laughs> Don't think I won't do it. <laughs> uh Let me ask you a pinpoint question to what you just said. Is it possible that you thought that you and Jesus are in two separate persons, if you will, and that Jesus and what he is saying to you, Brad, only applies to you? Or did Jesus have to contend with this thought of a Satan and overcome it. And I'm not talking about just in the earth. Did he have to come overcome it way back when? Now, the answer, if you use the earth while going into the wilderness, Micah, did he not? Have to contend with it in the earth? What is the earth? Is that a manifestation and a parable of what is heavenly? So then he had to do it in heaven too. Are you with me? So what I'm saying to you is if Jesus had to face off with this Satan that desired to replace him and take his throne... And you have to do the same. Because he overcame it, Marty. Are you going to overcome it? That's what I'm after. Say again. With his help. Well, heck yeah, man. If Jesus is in you, you think you're going to get his help? <laughs> okay. Have I, maybe I just stretched your brains a little bit too much this early on a Sunday morning. But this is not to sound arrogant. This is not really difficult. This is everything that we believe. We preach this message all the time. The overcoming. Dan's even walked through the seven churches and give you a look at all seven of the prophetic utterances concerning the overcoming and the inheritance of what you receive when you overcome. My simple point is to tell you that the reason he is the tree of life is because he said no to the tree of death. He said, I will not be that. I will be a God of righteousness. Go read Hebrews, man. He chose righteousness over lasciviousness. He chose the eternal realm of love and life and peace and joy over being a king over the damned. Look at his parable, man. It's all through the parable. They tried to make him a king in the earth, didn't they, Nancy? What did he do? Did he move through the crowd real quick? Can't get me. 
You ain't getting me, man. That's not why I was born. I'm not here to be your king, king of the dead. Our God is not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. Rick told a dream. Dan was gracious enough to send it to us recently. And in this dream, I'm not going to tell the whole dream, but there was one key thing that stood out in the dream. There was a lot of things that stood out, but there was this visitation as he was descending from heaven and he was passing through all these aspects of the soul and they were great seducers. And it, he, he, was, he was expounding to us that if he had got held up by trying to minister, trying to pastor, trying to work with these seducers, in other words, I'll give you another parable of it. You sit at tables with devils and you actually have thoughts that you're going to change it. Well, I just got to sit down and talk to him, man. So as soon as I talk to him, we're going to work this thing out. No, it's a devil. He doesn't love God. You are being deceived because you think you're going to sit down with a devil and you're going to convert him. Not without Jesus. Only Jesus. That's why when you go back to Isaiah 6 and you see the prophet of God, Isaiah, being called up before the throne of God himself, man, and the Lord is sitting there high and lifted up. His train fills the temple and there are seraphims. Seraphims of God. And he's like, in this place, I am unclean. I'm unholy. See, that's what the holiness of God does when you come into the presence of a holy, clean God. If there be anything unclean in you, guess what it starts to do? It starts to do the wiggle jiggle, man. It's oh my God, what's going on? Oh, it's just the devil. Don't worry, we're going to get it. I know you guys think I'm, I'm a little crazy up here. But the devil knows what I'm talking about. Because when the Lord's presence comes into those devils, you know what those devils do? They tremble and they fear God. You can even look at them and they'll be like, oh, I'm out of here. That's what anointing does. Not even a word spoken. Don't even have to say it to them. You just look at them and they're like, oh, out. Now, some are a little different. Some are bigger, stronger, more powerful, and a look ain't going to cut it. <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, I know you think you're a man of God. Uh-huh. Oh, that's how they'll talk to you. Imagine being in the temple. You could see it in a multiplicity of ways, but imagine just seeing it from the earth and having all these false Jews. They're dressed to the nines, man. They're they thinking they're doing the service of the Lord, and they are railing on you, accusing you, blaspheming you, telling you you are the blasphemer, telling you you are the liar, you're the false prophet, and they want to stone you to death. And then one rises up and says, no, let's take his head. When you've got those kinds of devils, you need Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that came into the midst of these churches. And what did he address? Did he address things just like that? False Jews, false apostles, Jezebel, Balaam, sorcery, witchcraft, all of these things. Our overcoming is tied to the overcoming 
of Jesus Christ. And because he has overcome, Julie, guess what that means for us? It means that we also are going to overcome. And if you walked around the room, there may be some among us that, and there are, I'll just say it, there are some among us who have come to an overcoming of certain things. And there's some that are coming to it. There's some that are not yet there, but they're getting ready to die. There, there's some things in, I believe, the church of Thyatira that are about to die. But some have not known the depths of Satan. But for those that have, death becomes a normal thing. What did Paul say? I die daily. Why? Because every time I die, every day I die, something has opportunity to live. Something has opportunity to be grafted into me. Something has opportunity to be born again. Someone has opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus because that's what we're preaching. We're preaching Jesus. Nothing higher, nothing greater, nothing more glorious. Everything is because of him, for him, and by him. Even the entire creation of God. So everything God is doing in me, everything God's doing in you, it's because of Jesus. Amen? So let me ask you one last question. How many of you would love to be a partaker of Jesus in his overcoming? And share with him that overcoming and understand and know his great revelation and spend eternity in heaven glorifying God because he sent his son Jesus.